Hi everybody, Eric here with Smart Pot Fabric Planters, back with another episode of the Growing Revolution podcast. And we've got a special guest, a genuine plant scientist and kind of a legend in the hydroponics field. Harley Smith is with us today all the way from Michigan. And Harley, thanks for joining us here. Uh, my pleasure. Awesome. Yeah, uh, Har Harley and I actually go uh, way back uh, uh, mm -hmm. from uh, our time at uh, NPK Industries, and now we've kind of found uh, different homes. And I thought it would be great to interview Harley and kind of, you know, document his history in, in the world of plant science and, and pick his brain a little bit. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. So Harley, you've been involved in plant science and specifically hydroponics uh, longer than most people have even known of what hydroponics is. Can you tell us about yourself and your background and how you got involved in plant science in the first place? Okay, yeah. It, I actually kind of came in the back door. I didn't start out as a grower and then uh, develop my interest early on. I used to be a video producer. And I was doing videos on science and technology back in the 80s, the early 90s. Had my own business. And, uh, you know, I was working pretty hard trying to dig up some new works, find some new cutting-edge science to, to talk about. And I uh, contacted a company in Lansing, Michigan, called Superior Grower Supply. They were in the top 10 manufacturers in Lansing at the time. Just called, introduced myself, cold call. Just said, hey, I'm new in the area. I'm a video producer. I'd like to talk to you about your needs. And, they, and I got lucky, talked to the owner of the company instead of a secretary. And he said, yeah, sure, come on in. So we talked a little bit. And he said, you know, we really need a video on introduction to hydroponics for the schools. A lot of schools back then were just dabbling in hydroponics as a way to teach plant science. So I said, sure, you know, I was hungry, I'll, let's do it. Let's do a, pro do a program. So I had no understanding, no background at that point. That was back in 1995. No background in hydroponics. Well, I take that back. I did a little experiment back in the 60s when I was in seventh grade or something. I did a hydroponics experiment. But basically, you know, I started out my interview, first interview question, what is hydroponics? I knew nothing. That was the beginning. But by the time I did the interviews with him, went through the, their, his library, custom library, and talked to some uh, of the, the, the best hydroponics minds around the world, NASA scientists, commercial growers, educators, I wrote the script, did the first video, and I said, this is some, this is real. There's a future for that here in the United States. At that time, we were importing more hydroponically grown food than we were pr producing in this country. So we were importing food, exporting money, exporting jobs. I said, there's got to be a future here. So that first video turned into a series of videos, and they offered me a job specifically promoting hydroponics to schools nationwide and setting up hydroponics labs. That's how I got my foot in the door to hydroponics. And from there, you know, it just 
one thing leads to another. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's a, I, I think that's an awesome, you know, anecdote for people who, you know, might have no knowledge of hydroponics or plant science at all. Like, look at Harley Smith. You know, he's a wealth of of information on plant science, and he started out, you know, at basically a, a base level. Of, of plant science knowledge and just from you know reading and talking to other people and and researching you know you can go from novice to expert you know a lot quicker than you probably think you can so that's that's an awesome story uh to to tell to people um so from uh sgs you went over to hdi uh who for people who don't know they're the makers of clonex um, and how did you get involved with them? And then you came up with the uh, mother plant product. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, one thing, you don't really have to be a genius to do hydroponics. I mean, it's really, really simple. I was teaching fifth graders how to do hydroponics. <laughs> they even were setting up their own business in the classroom. I mean, it's not that hard, the basics. But what you, if you really want to go far, need to have a curious mind. Keep asking questions. Don't just say, well, here's a bottle of fertilizer. Well, what's in it? You know, how does it work? And the more that you are curious, the more that you learn, the faster you grow. And, the, and as you, after a while, you can um, start making connections. And for HD, I made connections. Uh, back in 2001, I was invited to the Netherlands. I went to Amsterdam, had a good time. But uh, to interview some of the very first scientific applications on organic biostimulants, which at that time were quite revolutionary, bloom stimulants. They were increasing yields by 20% or more, even when, when the, they considered it the genetic potential of the plant. They were able to increase it, all, all natural. So I was curious. There we go again. What's in it? How does it work? They wouldn't tell me. They said it was proprietary. You know, it took right. us 10 years to learn this. We're just not going to give you the secrets. We're not going to tell you. So you pay to play. So I had to pay to play. I had to pay, pay my own dues. Went back. I saw it with my own eyes. I also, by the way, they were using it for to help with plant protection, improving the plant's natural resistance to pests and disease. They were eliminating uh, powdery mildew and molds to zero and increasing yields without any pesticides, without any fungicides. So it was important. I knew this was an important thing to learn. It took me years, but I cracked it. I can tell you the story some other time, but I cracked it. Uh, there were a couple of amino, you know this one, there were a couple of amino acids, glutamic acid and glycine, that literally stimulate root cells to open calcium ion channels. It takes up more calcium, strengthens the vascular system, the plant distributes water and minerals, the bricks goes up, the natural resistance goes up, and yield. I mean, it's all, and nature's been doing it without our help for thousands of years with microorganisms <laughs> in the soil. So, but once I finally made that connection, uh, I got the white I got the white jacket, and they invited me to be the director of research for Hydrodynamics International, the Clonex people, 
And that was a break. And they, one of my first projects was to develop a, a nutrient solution specifically for mother plants. So I applied what I learned. Uh, how, how, how would you say that the mother plant uh, product differs from like other base nutrient um, programs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the f- number one thing, the first thing is to reduce the nitrogen. You know, a grow formula for production has, you know, not maybe not luxury levels, but high levels of nitrogen. Uh, and it burns up a lot of the energy of the in the mm-hmm. top growth, which looks good, but it's not, it doesn't have a lot of stored sugars. So the first thing, reduce the nitrogen to the low end of sufficiency. Not deficient, but low end of sufficiency. Basically, where where you left off, you were talking about kind of the the difference between uh, the mother plants and the and the base nutrients. Okay. Yeah, the the main difference to start is reducing the amount of nitrogen. Uh, most of our grow formulas for production are pretty high in nitrogen, uh, and nitrogen's a luxury element. You give it more than what the plant needs, it'll assimilate it, but it burns up the energy of photosynthesis when it does it. Burns off the energy for top growth, but it's not stored energy. What we want in moms is a lot of stored energy. So when you take the cutting, it roots faster, the mother repairs itself faster. You want tighter nodes, you don't want stretching. So reduce the nitrogen to the low end of sufficiency, and then did a one-to-one potassium to nitrogen ratio. Because excess potassium tends to translocate the nitrates to the shoots. So you get stretching again. So cut that back. That was first for the minerals. The next part was the biostimulants that I learned about in my research because of what I learned in the Netherlands. I added some biostimulants, especially amino acids. Two of the amino acids, glutamic acid and glycine, stimulate root cells to open calcium ion channels. The plant takes up more calcium. Strengthens the vascular system. The water and nutrients are transported and translocated more efficiently. The bricks goes up. More chemical reactions. Lots of sugars. And they're stored in the tissue. So those were yep. the two main things. I also wanted to stimulate good balanced root growth. So we have a sponge of roots for the moms. So they can take up more water and minerals and then pull them into the, into the tissue with the mother plant nutrient. And there was one more part. With that, and that was a foliar spray. You can use some of the the kelp, humic acid, five parts humic acid, two parts kelp. Add a little aminos to it if you want, optionally. Spray it two weeks before you take cuttings. The uh, cytokinins in the kelp literally pull the nutrients into the tissue, pull in the sugars, pull in the amino acids, um, pull in the minerals. So we push it from the from the base, we pull it from the top, take cuttings, and they are they have a very very good success rate. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. You know, give give your mother plants you know a nice balanced uh, you know nutrition uh, plate to to uh, to eat off of, and and you get great results. Um, 
Makes sense to me. Uh, so when uh, so after um, HDI, you joined up with NPK Industries. That's where I met you. And can you talk a little bit about your time with them and what your main roles yeah. were there? Uh, I was the director of research. Um, I met some of the principals of NPK at a trade show, and they had this beautiful booth. You probably remember it. It had all these different minerals and biostimulants on it. And I said, oh, wow, there's humic acid. Oh, look, oh, there's fulvic acid. Oh, there's kelp extracts. These are the things I've been working with for years. I said, boy, these, they have it together. Yeah, the building blocks of what we've been yeah, using. Yeah, they were all there. I said, oh, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. They know what they're doing. Um, and then I saw the yucca extracts that they had, and that was my little secret ingredient in my mother plant. Um, because it was a good wetting agent and helped the nutrients spread out in the roots better to get to all the root hairs. I said, when I saw that, I was sold. I said, this company is a good company. They know what they're doing. So uh, I said, you know, this is great product. I talked to some of the people there in the booth. I said, you know, that education is kind of key if, because people will see all these things, but they need to know how to use them. So they chased me down and said, Hey, would you write some articles for us? Would you help us do some educational materials? So I'd be happy to. That started out, and then they said, well, we want you full-time. So they hired me and uh, started working with growers um, all over the country. We were doing some some workshops and seminars together, remember? You go into some uh, hydro stores, oh, yeah. broadcast it, Q&A. And it was good for them. They sold more product. It's good for me. I... That's what I enjoy doing, <laughs> very comfortable with, like we're doing right here. Um, and then I got to move out west. I got to move out to Oregon, and we built a lab. We, bu we built a, um, a, a lab for tissue testing, nutrient testing, uh, ICP OES spectrometer, That's so we could do soil analysis, water analysis, plant tissue analysis. Uh, not only see what the plant, what we're giving the plant, we can actually see what the plant's taking up and, and accumulating. So I was able to use that to help the growers on the West Coast to uh, like a roadmap for their fine-tuning and steering their crops with their, with their nutrients. And uh, that was a very, very powerful combination. Not just mixing a nutrient to give them, but to be able to fine-tune that according to the specific needs of the plant. Yeah, and, and really, it, it all kind of boils down to education. You know, if, if people understand the products that they're using, uh, they're going to feel more comfortable, they're going to use them better. And I, I think plant science can be a dry subject. Um, but the way that you present, uh, you know, these elements and organic biostimulants uh, it's in a way that you know doesn't put people to sleep and actually it gets them like interested uh you know about this and empowers them to to make their you know garden the best it can be so i'd say for anybody who hasn't seen harley's you know educational videos on youtube just search harley smith there's a bunch of videos um you know that he's done over the years definitely uh raise your grower iq uh with harley mm -hmm. 
So I'm kind of getting into, you know, as a segue, many people assume that you've got like multiple master's degrees and doctorates in plant science, even though, you know, you don't have a formal education in that area. What would you say to young people who want to get to your level of knowledge, but don't necessarily have the time or money for college? How did you get to be, you know, where you're at? You know, where are you pulling your information from? Well, you need to learn from the the people that know you learn from the the growers you learn from the scientists the plant scientists you need to have mentors and i did from all over the world from australia from from the uk um from the united states at that at that time i learned from those that that knew the most but here's the thing we have one advantage these days and I'm so thankful to be alive in this age because we have the internet now there's a lot of misinformation out there everybody has an opinion right and it can get very confusing but here's I'm gonna give you a trick I'll give you a little lesson if you're gonna do a, a keyword search a Google search do it this way type the word plant physiology and then whatever keyword that you're interested in. Plant, phys physiology, and then your keyword. And the more technical the keyword, the better. I would get textbooks. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying uh, you know, education is a waste. No, I mean, I was getting college textbooks on plant physiology, microbiology, uh, biochemistry. You know, I was doing the work, you know, but I just wasn't doing it in a formal way. But then I'd learn one new, one new uh, technical term, Add that to my search, plant, physiology, uh, amino acids, calcium. And then it would take me to the science mm -hmm. literature, not to all the advertising hype and opinions. Then I'd go through, learn to skim through hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of abstracts. And then I'd just looking for clues. Yeah. And then I'd find something interesting, and then I'd read the, the conclusion at the end. The abstract. Conclusion. And then if I was really interested, there's something here, then I go in and look at the materials and methods and how they did it. But that, I mean, I literally, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent just two o'clock in the morning every night for years, just looking for clues and I didn't even know what yeah. I was looking for. But eventually it comes together. Yeah. And then the other part for growers, no substitute for experience. Yeah, you can read the books. That's good. I mean, you can do the research. Good. You learn the vocabulary. Great. But growing, observing the plant, you know, seeing how they respond. I uh, remember. Yeah, trial and error. Trial and error and trial and success. Um, I remember when I got my first, my very first light. And I was able to set up my very first indoor garden. Wow, watch them grow. And, I, and I, you know, I read in the book, yeah, hydroponics. You can grow, if you grow herbs and hydroponics, they'll be 18% more essential oils than field grown. Well, I actually did it. Let's grow some. Wow. They're, you know, the, the restaurant owners are saying, this is the best basil I have ever seen in my life. You go, oh, right. okay, this is real. And I could see it. Um, and then I got a couple of lights, started doing my, a little more experience. And then I, I loved it. I mean, the, the hobby was just, it just drew me in. More than the knowledge up here, the plants themselves drew me in. Full spectrum light, 
fruit yeah. on the vine, aromatic herbs, um, fast, healthy growths. Uh, it was a, it was a, yeah. an oasis of life. I, the first thing I do, I get home, I go to the basement, to my garden, and tinker around. Stress of the day would go away completely, and I was making observations on how the plants grew. And that is, without that, there's nothing. And all that stuff, all those that research I did, it didn't even come together until I was sent a biostimulant product, an uh, experimental one from a vitamin manufacturer out east, and I actually tried to use it in some of my hydroponic systems. And yeah. that's where it came together. You know, that's where it's routine. Yeah, reading and yeah, reading and, and research, you know, will take you far, but actually putting it to work and, you know, trying it out, that's, you know, that's where you get to see the, the fruits of, of your labor is, and that's where you get the real enjoyment is actually, you know, consuming and, and using your plants yeah. too. Uh, so after you were with uh, NPK, uh, you got snagged by uh, Total Health Cultivation, uh, Light Sky Farms back in Michigan. How did they snag you for your team, for their team, and what are you doing for them currently? Well, the uh, the main grower there, the the director of cultivation, I've known him for many years. In fact, he was in my very first live class on hydroponics, my first Master Grower series many years ago. He got his very first diploma from me. So we've known each other for a long time. And I ran into him in a hydro store one time where he was having some problems um, in his grow because it was in Flint and he was having a bacterial problem. It was actually a symbiont. In the end, it was an algae symbiotic with, with uh, bacteria very nasty combo and he wanted me to try he brought me in just to try to help him solve his problem and um, I, I actually didn't wasn't able to solve it <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I, I hate to admit that on camera but that was one of the very first times you know what my advice to him in the end was take him out of your hydroponic system and transplant him into soil <laughs> because you know the, there's no competition the cleaner we made the system the worse it got so it was just, uh, mm. you know, so that was, we had to put him into soil just so that there was some competition and he was able to salvage the, the crop. But anyway, so, so but yep. in the process, we did our science Saturdays and we, you know, I was teaching them things and we were applying what we learned and trying to solve these problems together. But later on, you know, I thought, well, I failed, right? So he's not going to be talking to me again, but uh, when they built this commercial facility, I think it's 65,000 square feet here. Um, he wanted me, wow. he wanted me on his team. So um, he made me a good offer, offered to hire Sue too. And Sue wanted, we wanted to move back to Michigan anyway. That was, Sue wanted to be closer to family. So uh, let's do it. So uh, they hired me as the chief science officer. So my job is not working every day with the plants. It's working every day with the leads and with the growers and trying to solve problems and try to make improvements. I also develop all their nutrients. They have a nutrient formula, Eric, a, a specific formula for every two weeks in the plants grow. 
So I'm able to ramp down certain elements, ramp up others. We're doing sap analysis. We're doing leaf analysis. So I'm able to... What, how, how high is your uh, bricks level on your, on your plants, Charlie? Uh, what are you, what are you well, averaging? On the mothers, we'll get up to 12 and beyond. Uh, but I think um, in the production plants, not quite as high. But uh, we're above, definitely above average, about eight or nine, somewhere in there. That's good. I mean, the, it's the final product that we're, we're concerned with. And when we're doing production, we need to get the yield, too. Sometimes, you, know, you can do both. Yeah. If you get the bricks just right, you get quality and yield. Um, but it has to, sometimes we have to make compromises. Because you'll have two different, two different cultivars in the same room. And you have yeah. one that has a little bit of a magnesium deficiency. The next bench over, though, same feed, they have a little potassium deficiency. Okay, we have to kind of compromise. If I add more magnesium, then that could make the potassium deficiency worse. If I add more potassium, it can make the magnesium deficiency worse. So we kind of have to yeah. not go for the ideal per strain, Per cultivar, we have to find one that there's no toxicities, no deficiencies, and that we're getting consistent reproducible results and paying the bills. So it's a little bit different. Yeah, consistent commercial. Yeah, Con consistency, uh, you know, in commercial cultivation is, is everything because, you know, if you lose a, a whole crop, that can be, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that are now you know, missing for paying water and power bills and employee salaries. So yeah, you don't want to mess up a run. Um, so uh, over at uh, THC, uh, Light Sky Farms, you guys are um, doing your cultivation in uh, rock wool cubes, but your mother plants are um, in fabric pots. What, what do you, what do you notice about, um, or what are your thoughts behind, you know, keeping mothers in uh, fabric pots versus growing them hydroponically? Yeah. Well, we're, we're still growing hydroponically. Um, we're using rock wool, but, but the, the grow cubes, the, we call them the croutons, you know, uh, as our growing medium. We start mm -hmm. in the blocks and then transplant them. But the biggest advantage there is with the mothers, we're hand watering. We, we're using the wands, and it's a lot easier to go go through those benches and water the plants according to their needs. Because some mothers take up a lot more water, others they don't need to be watered. So we have a little bit more of a hands-on approach that way. And we still make the mother plant nutrient, and we're mixing in some of the biostimulants. But we're doing we can be a little more specific in how they're how they're handled, and they. Um, you know, healthy moms, healthy clones. So that's one of the, and we get good drainage and good aeration compared to plastic pots. So, so we love it. And we are setting up some, now we're going to be setting up some automatic irrigation too, mainly for the weekends when people are away so that you don't have to come oh, in all the time. And um, uh, you can walk away for two or three days and come back and, and see how they're doing. So that, that's why with, when we're in the, the slabs, in the blocks, it's really hard to hand water. You really need to have, you know, drip irrigation system of some kind. Yeah. 
Makes sense. Um, now, uh, you know, I haven't been out to Michigan in a number of years. Uh, how would you say the current state of the cannabis industry is out there? Um, you know, I, I know Michigan has gone recreational uh, with cannabis. Would you say that's been a, a good thing for the industry? Neutral, bad? How, how has recreational cannabis been for Michigan? Generally speaking, it's great. You know, I, I love to see, you know, the, drive down the highway, we're seeing billboards left and right. <clears throat> New dispensaries are coming online <laughs> all the time, which is a market for us as growers. <clears throat> the bad side is with the rec is there's where the industry is still young. You know, people don't, you know, they're just looking at what's the THC value. <clears throat> they're, what's the price? What's the highest THC? And over time, if breeders are coming up with higher and higher THC, they may be breeding out inadvertently some of the medicinal um, components. Remember, you know, I don't know if you know this, but lettuce used to be a medicinal herb. It was a medicinal herb mm. years ago. Yeah. Wow. And then they bred out all the bitter components, and that was, and they bred out all the medicine. I just hope that we don't do the same wow. thing because of being driven by the market. But there's, I have hope, though. <clears throat> there's more of an emphasis on terpenes now. There are some emphasis, too, on some of the minor cannabinoids like THCV, uh, of course, the CBDs, some of those. Um, so it's not completely bad. But if we just went down the recreational side and just went for getting high, getting stoned, I think that in the end, we'd look back and regret the, some of the, the gifts of that plant to, to the human race. Yeah, I, I think I think you know recreational is kind of coming along just at the right time to get people thinking. Okay, it's not just THC. There's many many medicinal compounds in cannabis, and you know, uh, there, there's a few farms that I've come across that are you know focusing on like CBD, uh, like Yerba Buena Farms out in Portland. Like half of what they grow is actually like a one to one or a CBD dominant. And they're actually killing it, you know, in their market. Well, most growers are focusing on THC. They're focusing on CBD. And the people who, you know, want to feel good but not high are gravitating towards their uh, products. And, you know, kudos to them for, you know, finding their niche and, and running with it. Yeah. Um, so I guess looking forward, uh, what do you think are like the main challenges for Light Sky Farms in terms of production and growing and maybe just for the cannabis industry in general? Like what do you what do you see as issues um, like on the horizon or something that you guys are dealing with on a regular basis? Yeah. Well, we have some of the same challenges that you had out west for years. You know, when it first comes on the market, it's legalized. There, the supply and demand. There's a lot more demand than there's mm -hmm. supply. The prices are high. But then everyone says, oh, well, I'm going to make a million dollars too. I want to get rich. So they start growing. And the next thing you know, there's a glut. We're overproducing and the prices come down. And that's always a challenge. You know, if uh, 
you know, we try to do a business model. We try to know what our expenses are, what our labor costs are, our licensing costs, all those things, and be able to to produce a high quality product. And we really, really want that craft quality. That's first in our minds always as growers. But um, yeah, top shelf. But as the margins go down, it makes it more difficult. We're gonna we have to be more efficient with our labor, more efficient yep. with our nutrients. Uh, more efficient with our water use and electricity. So I think that's a that's a challenge with our indoor growing. Uh, I think in the future where we need we're going to need to go is into some more light depth, like we'd have out, out west a little bit more. So we have a little bit less energy budget. You know what energy costs are doing? You can see it. It's not going to get cheaper. It's going to get more expensive. In our facility, we use so much, so many megawatts here. I think we use more in this facility than the entire city of Burton in this one facility for electricity. Do you know do you know what your month do you know what your monthly power bill is for the facility? I do not want to know. I know it's high. I don't <laughs> want to know. And and that's you know, and that's a reality is that we need to be energy efficient in the yeah. future. We have to find ways to do that. And I think I I know where our research is going. That's where I want to do too. I want to help improve the efficiency of the electron transport chain. I want to harness some of the power of nature with some of the biostimulants, some of the microbes in, this, in the soil. Um, I want to be able to help the plants grow, um, reach their genetic potential, even if the environment isn't perfect. Right now, we're concentrating on making a perfect environment. But Michigan is not, not a great place to grow tropical plants. So we're going to have to find the, the genetics that are adapted to this environment and then help them reach their potential. So we have challenges in the future, but it's exciting at the same time because those discoveries are going to help agriculture in general. Things that we're learning. You know, when yep. I learned how to yep. you know, use biostimulants to reduce the use of, you know, re reduce powdery mildew to zero, that can be used in cherries and apples and grapes too. You know, it's not like oh, a plant yeah, is a it's plant. It's not just for, you know, uh, I can grow lettuce that's gourmet quality, where the bricks is off the shelf, where you never have to spray for bugs, and it has a lot more flavor and vitamins. You know, that's that's part of what I uh, I'm concentrating on in the future. And cannabis is a vehicle to to do the research and to be able to to spread this knowledge, plant science to the world. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I, I think the cannabis industry is kind of unique in that, you know, the producers are kind of hungry for the cutting edge, you know, the new technology, the new nutrients, the new biostimulants, whereas, you know, traditional commercial agriculture you know, they're more concerned about the bottom line and they don't really care if, you know, it's good for us or the environment. It's like, will it make us money? Um, so I, I'm proud to be, you know, a part of the cannabis industry. And I, I think, you know, overall, we're doing great work for the planet. So um, kind of getting into uh, my last question, you, you've helped, helped so many people over the years better understand their fertilizer products and to better under, understand their plants, what do you want your legacy to be? And, and what are you most proud of uh, from all the things that you've accomplished? Uh, legacy. Well, 
what I'm most proud of, I, really what I'm most proud of is people like you. <laughs> you know, people that you've been through the classes, you've applied what you've learned. You know, you've you've taken it to another level. My the best I thought I thought I knew a lot about plants and then I met you and you took my level, you know, up to close to where you're yeah. at. But when people come back to me years later say, "You you taught me how to improve my plants. You got me thinking about spoon feeding, about giving the plant exactly what they need when they need it." And I applied what you learned. They come back and teach me something. That they've taken the stuff I've learned, taught them on biostimulants, and they're telling me about, you know, transcription factors that they're able to stimulate now. You know, that thrills me. I mean, my hair stands up on that because that's what it's about, trying to make the, the world a better place. You know, I, I profit from the inventions and discoveries of others, and that's when I build on it. It's only fair that others in the future profit and benefit from the discoveries that I've made, the hard work. Um, I'm, I'm just a pioneer, you know, I'm a trailblazer, but that's not the end. That's just the beginning of a path. And if I can be part of that, uh, that's, I'm proud. I'm proud of the cannabis being finally reestablished on this planet as a medicinal herb, which is, it always has been. I want to try to improve the quality of life for people. And I want to protect the environment. You know, and we're, and we're doing all those things. It's not just about the money. It's working with nature. It's um, being able to improve the nutritional value of food, being able to improve the medicinal qualities of our medicinal herbs, to discover them and improve them, and to improve the plant's natural resistance to pest and disease, and preserve the environment. Um, so that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're good stewards of our earth and working with nature. You know, that's, I think that's the pr purpose of all human beings. That's our place in the scheme of things here, is we have intelligence. We can work with nature in an intelligent way and give it a little boost in the right direction. And if we do, everyone, everyone's going to value, or going to increase the value. Yeah, yeah, I, I think all the tools, you know, for a successful life are, you know, at our, you know, at our disposal. We just need to, you know, take in the knowledge to use it properly and, you know, be good stewards of the planet like like you're talking about and, you know, leave it in a better condition for the next generation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your, your you know, work and, and knowledge in, in the Department of Plant Science is invaluable. So that's why I wanted to get you on here, Harley, is because you're, uh, you know, a champion for good things uh, uh, in in our industry and just in general. So I wanted to thank you. And uh, I guess on that note, I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Um, this has been awesome to talk to you again because I used to talk to you on such a regular mm -hmm. basis. And, um, you know, just really appreciate your time uh, joining us here today on the Growing Revolution podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to see you again, Eric, and catch up. We have to talk again later. We finished the presentation here, and uh, I want to get your, I need input from you too, and what you're seeing in the industry, <clears throat> and what's the latest and greatest, so we can help each other, all of us, I hey, think. that's what I it's think all, all about. all of us as growers can help each other if we're not, uh, you know, so bent, and we got to be in a competition, 
we need it, but I think this year, you know, still the the recipes we'll keep the secret recipes, but the science should be shared freely. Nice, nice. Well, Harley, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the podcast. And uh, uh, how can people uh, keep in touch with you? Are are you on Instagram or uh, any social media outlets? Uh, to a degree, I'm not teaching my class. Telegraph, messenger, pi messenger pigeon. <laughs> You're gonna have to help me with that part. I need to get back into the social media. Um, I, I'm not doing classes at the moment. I'm taking a sabbatical because it's just this facility is in these first couple of years here is very demanding of time and resources. But I plan on doing classes again. They can, uh, if you, they want to see some of my past classes that are online, just uh, Google Harley Smith YouTube. They'll take you to a lot of them. Um, if you want to yeah. reach me um, personally, I, our Instagram is Harley 500 is my Instagram thing. And um, you have my email address. If you want to post that, that's fine too. Um, well, we might get some weirdos contacting you. So maybe we'll uh, let them filter through Instagram and uh, okay. then you can talk to them from oh, there. Oh, there's, uh, I don't mind. I get uh, fan mail all the time. But I just don't have time to do a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, personal time like I used to with some of the growers. You know, uh, can't spend hours and hours teaching yeah. them how to grow. But there's a lot of good information if you get go just. Yeah, I would say. YouTube, so. Yeah, people need to just go to YouTube and search Harley Smith, and you know, just watch all of your videos, and you know, you'll be at a very high level of plant science knowledge in in a pretty short amount of time. Okay. So, um, again, Harley, thank you so much for your time, and you know, we'll be looking forward to. Uh, uh, what you're doing at Late Sky Farms and, and uh, keeping in touch with okay. you. Okay, catch up with you later.